All right, so we should be live. So hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. I am Michael, and tonight I have with me the GM normally of the Shadow of the Cabal podcast as Mr. Tanner Clausen. Tanner, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. It's been a while since we've uh, been on a live show together. It has. The way our release schedule works, which means it doesn't work, <laughs> that we, we might have had an episode recently that has come out with us on it, but we didn't record it for a long time, so it's been right, sitting right. there. Yeah. Um, so I, re- I released an episode yesterday, though I screwed it up and had to redo it today, but that episode is like six months old. Like I've been that- waiting forever for this episode to come out because I was very excited about it. I think it's a great episode. But it's just, it's been so long. It's yeah. Has a faculty meeting 125 won any ennies yet? Did we beat Ken and Robin talk about uh, stuff finally? Uh, not not that I know of. Uh, <laughs> based on the last couple of years, we should get the any nomination finalist uh, the first week of July. So we're only maybe a week to 10 days out from mm-hmm. finding out if there's a chance we will once again lose to Ken and Robin talk about stuff. <laughs> uh, so welcome, New York Tater. I. Thank you for joining us as always. Uh, hopefully we'll have a few other people jump in. Uh, before we get too far into the show and we start taking questions, if there are any, a um, couple quick announcements. I will remind everyone as always that we still have our Twitter or Twitch, sorry, follower drive contest thingy going on that once we get to 500 Twitter, God, I keep saying Twitter, Twitch followers, I'm going to give away a copy of the D&D rule cyclopedia from the uh, print on demand drive through RPG. Uh, I think last time I checked, we were like 280. When I started this, we were at 240. So, hey, progress, right? Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so we're moving in the right direction. Um, and then I also got this today, Tales from the Yawning Portal. So I'm on the the um, like review copy list for Watsi, but for some reason they haven't sent me the, like, the modules. I just get the resource books. So I never had this. Or if I did have it, I may have got it and then given away to the Catagon. That's certainly possible. But I didn't remember having it. Uh, and I've decided that I'm going to run my kids through um, the Sunless Citadel. Nice. That's a good one. I, I've heard it's a really good one. And they've really been bugging me to play again. Like we we played once, kind of fell off. Like I was just making stuff up as we went, which I always do anyways. But it's weird when you got kids. I find it's much harder for me to just make stuff up on the fly when I'm dealing with a seven and eight year old because I can't yeah. go to my go to, which is like awful evil stuff. Yeah, and there's a lot more like sort of cat herding going on in between, I imagine. Yeah, the, definitely there there is. Um so I was looking around for a good module, and I kind of wanted to run a dungeon crawl anyways. So someone said the Sunless Citadel would be the one to go go to. So that I got that. So hopefully, uh, I'm not. I don't have any plans to record it, but I probably will have things to talk about uh, with it soon. Yeah, awesome. What about you? What's what's new and exciting in the world of Tanner? Um, we are. Th- in Shadow of the Cabal, um, Dakota has decided to step up and give me a much needed break from GMing after we finished our first campaign. And he is running Knights Black Agents Blood Money for us, and it's doing very well. And I'm very proud of it. Um, it's something re- a, a lot different than what we've run before. Um, it's modern day, and we touch on some touchy things, but I think that we pull it off well, and it's an exciting vampire spy thriller heist series. So if you're interested in that, it sounds cool. Go check it out. Um, that's what's going on with the podcast right now. Other than that, I just learned like this past week. Are you familiar with the 200 word RPG contest? Yes. Um, Andrew Young, who's on the lawful and orderly, um, podcast, also a member of the faculty. He's entered that several years. I think he's had some success with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I just realized that one of my, or my entry, I should say my one entry was, um, placed to be a finalist. Um, so if you guys don't know about it, it is a challenge where you have to write an RPG 
in 200 words plain text, which is very hard. Oh. And yeah, a, a lot of those are, um, in my opinion, some of them stretch what the definition of an RPG is, mm -hmm. but they, they do accept anything. Um, and out of like 800 plus entries, mine is in like the top 70 or so. And so I think at this point, um, they've basically filtered through all the ones and these are the ones that are being passed upon to the individual judges mm -hmm. to read and recognize. So I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. I, I don't want to say which one mine is because I, I don't know who listens to this and some of them might be judges or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to say which one mine is, but if you look at the finalists, you can definitely look it up and find mine if you search through. <laughs> so, yeah. so fun fact, a frenemy of the show, Jim McClure, is one of the judges for that contest. So if he has any yeah. pull, you will lose because you're part of the network. That's true. That's true. <laughs> he he faved my tweet talking about it, and I wanted to be like, Jim, don't look. It's, it's fine. <laughs> there, I will say there is one in there that is about samurai at court trying to ferret out a conspiracy that one is not mine oh okay <laughs> yeah so um don't, if that's the one that you think is mine it's not it's so. not awesome all right um so again the, the idea tonight is that we're going to do sort of a q a if anyone in chat has anything they want to talk about rpg stuff is certainly awesome but it's not required we can talk about anything that's on your mind uh, we may not cover it, so just understand there is a chance if there's a question we just don't want to cover. Uh, mm -hmm. We won't, and we can't guarantee that you're going to like our answer or agree with us. <laughs> um, so if we get into a topic that we just, we're going to have to agree to disagree, we, we're probably just going to move on. And uh, always be nice. Uh, we have a pretty small community still, and everyone that shows up, I pretty much know them pretty well. I'll probably play games with most of them. Uh, but if you're new, or you're just in a bad mood, and you're, <laughs> and you're being a jerk, we're not going to pay attention to you. And we'll probably boot you. Not that I think we have to do that. Uh, but, you know, as we continue to grow, we get new people. And I just want to reinforce that we are a very positive, inclusive, focused show. And uh, everyone has to be nice to each other. Exactly. All right. So I'll throw it out to chat. If you have any questions, please let us know. I'm, I'm filtering chat. I don't know if, Tanner, you also see it. I, I have mm -hmm. YouTube and Twitch up so I can see both. I just have Twitch up, so I'll keep an eye on that. All right. And then while we're waiting, do you, I know you have some prompts ready. Do you have a, a quick one we can get into? Sure. Yeah. This is one that um, always, or doesn't always come up, but it comes up once in a while and it interests me to read people's answers every time it's asked. So um, do you ever, this is one I stole from Reddit. I don't know whose username posted it, so I'm sorry. But um, do you ever use books from different systems in your games, like as a resource for a game that you're running? Um, so like, for example, um, I like to, whenever I'm like playing in a new genre or something, I will go and find the GURPS book mm. for that genre. Um, I don't like GURPS as a system at all, but those, <laughs> but those books are awesome guidebooks on how to run this thing in tabletop. And they're just great to mine for ideas and they're just good research material. So do you have anything like that or any stuff that you kind of cross-reference across systems? Uh, sort of. I'll interject quickly. We've actually got a bunch of questions that are flying oh, in the chat. Wow. Okay, so, cool. <laughs> so we will get to all of them as best I can. I'll filter back through them. So if anyone's asking, don't worry, we, we will circle back to that. Um, sort of. Uh, I, I've talked about this before. I've stolen a lot of ideas, themes, mechanics from other games that I've brought into what I call D&D, though at this point it may not be recognizable as D&D at this point. It's Michael's D&D. It's Michael's D&D, which is totally cool, and it's awesome. <laughs> yep. Um, but I can't think of any times where I've said, okay, I'm running a sci-fi type game. Let me find a resource 
of a sci-fi RPG and, and, and bring in. I probably have, but I'm not thinking of it. Now, I'm always looking at movies and books and TV and I'm, for inspiration for mm-hmm. like an idea, setting a character, a plot, or something like that. But I, I can't think of any specific example where I took uh, like a resource guide from a different setting to bring into a game but I have brought mechanics from other games. Gotcha. Yeah, and you know, sometimes that's half the battle too. Like there, especially if you play in sort of like the, the D20 ecosystem, there's a lot, a lot of games that each have their own like interesting twist on what D&D is, you know, like Shadow of the Demon Lord or 13th Age or what have you. Like they each have little nuggets that, you know, maybe even if that's not the game that you're going to invest in, you can at least read the book by the book and take that idea of like the escalation die or the mm-hmm. initiative system and bring those into your own D&D game to make your own witch's brew like everybody does. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah and, if, and if you're not doing that, great. If you are doing that, great. That's how yeah. it works. Awesome. All right. So we'll hit the first question here. It's from New York Tater. Uh, what was the biggest surprise from our first podcast release? I'm going to assume that's the first episode. So any surprises from you, Tanner, on the first episode when you actually released it like your child, the, the birdie out of the out of the nest? Um, we had. Uh, OK, so I'll, I'll have uh, two. One, um, we had like over like 100 people listen to it in like within a day or two which blew my mind um i think there was a thirst for some rokugan content Mm -hmm. um and so that i mean that was a success to me and obviously we've exceeded that and we're we're still growing and that's still awesome um the other thing is like how bad i thought that first adventure was that i did like we i ran a mystery for um our first session that was our episodes one and two of shadow of the cabal and then later in shadow of the cabal which ended up turning into like episode 30 or something or 40 something i ran another mystery and like listening to them back to back and i've had people tell me this too it's like they're just night and day like how much you can learn from just recording every single week and and getting better at that kind of stuff Mm so i'm surprised that for an adventure that was so mediocre we got a lot of buzz early on so that was cool for me yeah i and I've said this before, like when you're playing like a D&D actual play, you're fighting for a bigger audience, but there's so much out there that you have to get lucky, be really good, a little bit of both to get notice and, and mm-hmm. have a foothold and hold on to it. Where other systems, your possible audience are so much smaller, but they're looking for content, you know, right, right. There's very few people are actively looking for another D&D podcast anymore. Like they might happen upon one. But very few people are like, you know what? I want another one of those. Mm-hmm. So you've got to get your stuff in front of someone and hope that they listen and then hope that they grasp onto it. But you post, hey, we got a new Blades in the Dark RPG or a Fate Core RPG. You're going to have a lot of people like, oh, I've been looking for that. And right. Or, or, or I want to play that and I want to see how it sounds in play, which um, some games are good at explaining in the books and some aren't. So like, it's good to hear people play it a lot of the time. Absolutely. Yeah. What about you? What about early podcast memories? Or Well, it's somewhat similar to you. I was surprised that anyone at all listened to our early shows. Uh, again, we had no concept of what was good, and, and really, we still don't. But, uh, you know, I think like our first couple episodes had like 40 or 50, you know, listeners, mm-hmm. which again, for a D&D podcast was great. Uh, and I mentioned this before, but I think probably the biggest surprise, which was more of a surprise to Evan than me, is when we started releasing our actual play, how much more downloads that got. Yep. Uh, and there's an episode, because I fairly recently went back and listened to all of our old 
faculty meeting dungeon talk table topic episodes just kind of reliving some nostalgia and just seeing how the podcast had changed it's just kind of a fun little thing i did and there's an episode where evan and i are talking about it he's like i don't understand why would anyone want to listen to us play the game i'm like <laughs> clearly they do because i mean we right. were getting two and three times as many downloads on made men which the audio was terrible versus our very good quality sounding well-edited discussion shows and it's just yeah you know that's kind of like i think i don't know if this is the correct history but this is the history that i choose to believe so it's right in my mind i think actual plays exploded after the video gaming let's play um sort of style came out because i remember because i was watching youtube and like video gaming videos like 2009 2010 2011 2012 and like around like 2012 2013 like people realize that you could get insane numbers of views on YouTube of just people watching you play video games if you're entertaining. And I think like the actual play movement, to me, it feels like, I mean, there was definitely stuff before that, no doubt, but to me, it feels like it really kind of got some momentum around the same time. So I think there, there's just this, um, this sort of cultural understanding that it's enjoyable to sort of be a voyeur or, you know, feel like you're one of the guys or girls playing along in the game. And um, a lot of people like me, I listened to them when I didn't have a regular group or a regular game going. So like, it's a good way to experience that kind of stuff vicariously. I think it's sort of the same thing for YouTube videos almost. Yeah, I think sometime in the future, I mean, there's probably already some of it, but I'm I'm thinking there will be studies done and books written mm-hmm. and papers published about the psychology of actual play and, and how it's affecting the gaming scene right now. And again, it's exploding and mm-hmm. there's all kinds of very positive things and a few naysayers who are asshats. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's an interesting thing. I, th- I think there's... So for podcasting specifically, because I I started listening to podcasts because of our show, but I've now branched in. I listen to a bunch of other non-RPG related podcasts, movies, and just pop culture and Westworld uh-huh. and Game of Thrones. And I find this very interesting um, sort of relationship that I build with the people that I listen to is it's like I'm in their room or their car or the dorm room or whatever, and we're having this conversation and we have hundreds of of hours of conversations. Right. I feel like I know these people. And then you meet them and you're like, oh no. And then you, and you meet them and you're like, you have no idea who I am. And, right. and to a small extent, I've had the opposite of that, you know, going to Gen Con and Origins. I've had people who I've met who've listened to our show for years and they know probably more about me than my wife does in some <laughs> way, you know? And it's like, yeah. it's, it's just sort of a weird thing. And I think that's something to do with, I think that's part of the psychology as well is that, you know, I, I can watch a movie I think, you know, The Rock or Vin Diesel or, you know, Chris Evans, whatever. It's cool to watch them. They're really good at what they do. But they are so far removed from my reality where when you listen to an actual play, you could play with these people very easily. And I think it's different. Yeah, it it feels like watching somebody through a window versus being in the same room as them. That's sort of the, uh, the, the vibe I get. I would agree as well. Yeah. Uh, so, New York Taylor, thank you for the question. Uh, we'll move on to the next question, which is from Shortmanian444. I think this is an interesting question. If you could turn any board game, movie, or book into an RPG setting, what would it be? That's a good one. Um, Jeez. I'm going to go with board game on this one, and I'm going to go... Um, well, my favorite board game, what I consider to be the best board game of all time, is Eldritch Horror. Okay. But it's basically it's, just Call of Cthulhu. It's okay that you're wrong about that. 
Uh, sure. <laughs> okay, Michael. Tell me, <laughs> tell me more about Descent when it came out 45 years ago or whatever you're into. No, um, no I, I do play uh, a lot of board games when I get the chance to. And um, this is going to be sort of a cheater answer, though. I think the, the XCOM board game is really, really good. And I, I mean, it's based on the video game XCOM. Are you familiar with XCOM at all? Vaguely. I've never played the video game or the board game, but I, I, I'm on Twitter enough to see other people talking about it that I kind of know about it. Yeah, it's basically like a, a squad-based like tactics game that has a grand strategy layer of um, aliens are invading Earth and you are the last resistance against them. It's really simple setup. But like the structure, like the gameplay loop of like mission and then going back to base trying to decompress, trying to get your soldiers unstressed. You only have $35 in the budget and you have $50 worth of bills. And if you don't make Africa or China happy, they're going to leave the program and take all their funding. Like all that stuff is perfectly set up for a game. Like, like I want to see a Blades in the Dark hack for XCOM because it follows totally that same structure of mission downtime and recuperation mission downtime and recuperation so i still haven't and i've i've looked and i've done my research i haven't seen any games that would really do xcom super well but um i think blades could but i want somebody smarter than me to make it (laughs) um so we recently did a film studies where we talked about my love for the movie clue so i think the easy answer would be to turn the board game clue into an rpg setting but that would be a very thin book so I'm going to go with His Dark Materials. Have you ever Ooh. read that game, uh, that book series? No, uh, I might have read the first. That's um, like The Knife of Never Letting Go and uh, Golden Compass, right? The Golden Compass is the yeah. first one. And you got like the like the, or the subtle knife. Yeah, po- yeah. Polar bear. And, mm-hmm. um, I like those books are, are they're, they're, they're considered YA books, but they deeply affected me. I sure. read all of them. And, you know, it has one of the most bittersweet endings of a trilogy I've ever had. I was like moved by this uh and i just think there's a lot of fodder for some of the concepts they talk about there you have you know you have anthropomorphic ish animal companions you have the idea of of your soul that can Mm -hmm. be put into like a companion that you could then you know almost like a druid you could have an animal companion you could have that lost which then causes problems with you you have world traveling people moving in between worlds you have this semi-church religious order that thinks they're doing the right thing, but they're not. I, mm-hmm. I think there's a, you could mine that for some really interesting role play opportunities. I think. Um, I'm going to add an answer. I'm going to say Animorphs because that's, that is, was that series for me. Um, it probably came out obviously when you were an adult, but when I was, you know, 10 or 11 or 12 back in the late nineties, early two thousands, um, Animorphs was a series that totally changed my brain too. Cause that, that was a series that um, it was a kid's series, not even like a YA series. It was like a kid's series. Um, and it dealt with some really heavy crap, like mind control, body horror. Mm. What does it mean to be a human? All that kind of stuff. And it, it had a very similar ending that totally affected me too, where I'm going to spoil the end of Animorphs. Sorry. Um, it, you had your chance to read it. Uh, Basically, half of the uh, there's like five main characters, like all high schoolers or middle schoolers, and like half of them get torn apart in hyperspace and die, and half of them are left as like mental, mentally like hand or you know affected by what happens, and then it ends with a blurb from the author being like, "Hey, this is what war is like, kids. This is what it does to people, and if you don't want that to happen, you should go vote and get your voice heard in the world." <laughs> wow. It's like, 
Oof, you know, like that blindsided me as a kid. But I mean, like, I get where she's coming from now. Socialist <laughs> like, propaganda. Yeah, I know. Sneaking in your Animorphs books. <laughs> um, so it looks like uh, not another Nathan asks, um, where do you see RPGs going in the future? I think this is a really interesting question because game RPGs fundamentally, the way they work when it comes to human and game interfacing really hasn't changed in like 20, 30 years. Um, do you have any thoughts about this? So I'm probably not in any way the right person to answer this question, but I think that w- what I'm seeing in my Twitter sphere, which again is a small slice of RPG related Twitter is I feel like there's a push or I should say there's a split. A lot of people seem to be moving more and more towards theater of the mind. It's free-form gameplay. You don't have to do a lot of prep. It minimizes that. Anyone can basically play. You don't have to have the computer or anything like that. Um, so I feel like we're probably going to keep moving that way. And then you have these like one-page RPGs, the 200-word RPGs that are very usually rules-light. They're basically LARPs with a dice mechanic added in just to make it a game. So right. I, and I feel like we're going to keep moving that way. And I think we're going to get more and more hybrid LARP type RPGs for the people who enjoy that. I hope so. But I think the other side, we're going to move more and more into technology like that new Pokemon app where we're going to have augmented reality. Don't think we're going to get to the holodeck anytime soon where we have virtual reality, but we're going to start having augmented reality where you're going to be at a table and you're going to see like the 3D chess in Star Wars. You're going to mm-hmm. see the monsters moving like through your phone or through Google glasses or something. And it's going to make it a more of an immersive virtual game digital game with that technology as it's emerging i think we'll get there way before we'll get to actual headset on vr but i could be wrong because there's that new star wars thing have you heard have you heard about that yes i have yeah that that's super interesting yeah so a couple of podcasts i listen to they they have done that for like their shows and basically you put on the goggles you put on a backpack and you're in star wars and you can look over and see your buddy who's with you and you're going through and you're shooting stormtroopers in the face and you're, you know, you can't see. So you don't know if you're walking 30 feet or four feet cause everything's moving, but it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's obviously not holodeck, but it's really immersive virtual reality. So it's there. I just don't know when it'll move into gaming cause it's such a niche, um, you know, uh, what, what yeah. luxury type of thing. Right. Right. Like that's not something you can take on a camping trip with you and play if you're in the boy scouts or whatever, you know? Right. And yeah. I imagine it'll first be taken by the military for combat simulations. It will probably then move into mental health where people, I mean, just like in Iron Man or Avengers 7, whatever it was, when Tony's like, he was able to recreate his memories to help, you know, work through his issues. I could see that would be a, a great way to do that. And I yeah. think gaming is like way down the line. I think so too. If I had to predict something a little bit more immediate than that, I think that, um, Roll 20 is the biggest thing that has changed the industry in the past 10 or 15 years, um, in my opinion, and just the ability for everybody to be able to play digitally. And I think you're going to start to see more companies make games designed to be played digitally. Like this game isn't even, you know, um, not that it's not playable at a tabletop or something like that, because that's sort of how, how it goes now where people will have tabletop games and they will import them into Roll20, set up the rules, set up the dice, set up the character sheet, their macros, and then play with their friends virtually. Um, I think that we're going to start seeing the opposite of that. And I think we're going to start seeing games that are designed to be played 
digitally because I mean the anybody can look up the numbers of the people who play on Roll Twenty and just say you know a hundred thousand people played D and D today, and I, I think that that's a huge market for people who want to um who want to do that. I know if I if somebody gave me like five million dollars and told me to make an RPG, that's what I'd do. So that's my answer. I think we're going to see a lot more stuff um designed direct to tabletop. So I think I think that's interesting. Um, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I think it was today. Rodney Thompson who is the designer of Dust City Outlaws, which is a new <laughs> game he recently released, was talking about the fact that people had asked him, like, why are we not seeing more conversation about your game? Like, why aren't we seeing people playing it on streams? And he he doesn't have an answer. He's thinking through the question, but he thought, you know, my game has a lot of physical components. There's a lot of chits and tiles right. and stuff. And and I agree, that is, that is prohibitive to playing in a lot of actual play streams. Um, you know, again, we are by far not the most technically savvy, you know, network or show, but we got camera set up. Like when we try to move the cameras to show things like we do our board game nights, it's a fiasco every time trying to get people to be able to see what's going on. So if you don't have a setup that will let you display those, you know, chits and tiles and that kind of thing, then you have to, as the person on the stream, overly explain every time what you're doing which is not, I mean, for like a learning how to play, sure. But from like an entertaining campaign standpoint, yeah, I, I think that's, it's you're going to cut it out in post or people you're are going to I mean, yeah, if you look at um, uh, Geek and Sundry's like tabletop series, like that's what they do. They play a four hour game, but edit it down into a 15 minute video. And it's like, that's what you have to do. And I, and I, if I were a savvy designer 20 years from now, what I would do is I would say, okay, here is my game. It works completely digitally. Here's all the PDFs. It plugs into Roll20. Hey, streamers and actual play streamers, here's a package. Here's a pre-made overlay that you can show the stats of what's going on in the game to your viewers. Yep. I think that that would be a really savvy thing to do by someone who is, again, much smarter than me. Yep. I, I, I'm, I'll have to say I'm more of an idea man. <laughs> Like Me and my I, friends talk about this all the time. Like one of my friends, he works for a, a video game company that that is here in, in Chicago. And I'm like, hey, I had this idea. If you ever need an ideas guy, let me know. Yeah. It's like an inside joke because it's like everybody's an ideas guy. Yeah. But yeah. like at my previous job, I actually was somewhat positively known for that. I could come up with these crazy ideas and these new programs and plans. I was terrible at implementing them, but I could mm-hmm. come up with a good one. So yeah, same way. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see what else is going on on Twitch. Um, so we got uh, uh, Shadow of the Cabal, which I think is Dakota. Okay. Uh, what is the best gumshoe? Of the two gumshoe games I've played, I like Knights Black Agents better because it's proactive instead of reactive. That's my answer. I have Bubble Gumshoe sitting right over there that I that I got at a Catacon um, that I have not played yet. So that's shame on me. Yeah. Is yours signed by Ken Height, who put um, Veronica Mars quotes in it, though? No, but oh my God, I love Veronica. I, I literally bought this because it was like, this is Veronica Mars, the RPG. And I'm like, I am in because I love Veronica Mars. I think it is a tragedy that that show did not get any more love and attention and seasons and I'm 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 hiding my my girlfriend's name who it was addressed to. Oh, okay. He said uh, a long time ago we used to be we friends. Used to be friends. Thanks, Ken. Yeah. So I bought this. I think I got it at Gen Con a year or two ago. Have never played it. Will probably yeah. never play it. Uh, I don't own Knights Black's eight Knights Black. That's it's hard to say. There's an S in a weird place. Knights that's Black Agents. Title. Yeah. Uh, but I played it once and I did not have fun. 
but mm-hmm. I think that was the DM. They were they had mm-hmm. not run the system before. It was their first time. Gotcha. And I, I've talked about it before. I don't need to rehash it. There were some issues with players at the table, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. But I think I would be more into the teen detective than I am vampires. So I would lean towards totally. Bubble Gumshoe with a one to zero experience currently. <laughs> yeah awesome um so yeah that's what we're excited about um short manian 444 this is a question for you because i don't know anything about marvel stuff um what system would be the best if you're trying to recreate a marvel last act cinematic battle so uh, imagining like the end of avengers you know what, what, what would you what system would you play that scene in it's got to be something that is so rules light that you don't have to worry about that it's, it has to be something that's more about drama uh, so I want to say the drama system, even though I don't actually know a whole lot about it, but I know that is a system where you basically gain drama through role play that you can then spend as a resource. And so by losing early, you gain resources to win. And if you win early, then you're short on resources late. And I mm-hmm. feel like that would be a good system for a very role play heavy. Okay, we've lost till now. Now's the moment for us to to you know rise up like good heroes and win at the end. And spend those drama tokens with just a, like a very role play heavy narration. I will have to believe you on that because I am not the Marvel guy, but I I am in the presence of one. <laughs> awesome. Um, so uh, Pagetish, uh, who is a follower of Shadow of the Cabal, um, he or they mention um, after doing years of pretty decompressed character focused stuff, and now I'm finding that I can barely run a complete thing in under four or five hours. Do y'all have any good tips for helping guide players into faster play? This is a deep topic, I yes. feel like. It is. I will say, New York Trader, I'll come back to your question in a minute because he did oh, clarify sorry. about uh, the podcast question earlier, so I'll, I'll circle back to that. Um, so I, I somewhat feel the same way. Like I have found just in, in life, I am not a concise person as anyone who <laughs> listens to our show knows. So I am not very good at running one shots generally because I over plan. There's so much to do. And then at the end, I'm like having to rush and wrap up and it's an unsatisfying conclusion because it does like, we didn't quite get where we needed to go to make it make sense. Um, but I don't know that it's ever because of the players necessarily being slow as much as it is me. Uh, I, I don't think I'm great at pacing. But, yeah. the, but the thing that I have found I've, I've been doing more and more because I am running more and more one shots is I will take the lead a lot more as a DM. Like I used to be the person literally would just sit back and let the players talk for an hour. If that's what it right. took for them to decide to go right or left. I, Cause I enjoy that. I, I enjoy them talking to each other, especially if it's in character, but even though if they're going back through and like, well, we learned this and we learned that and I don't know. And like, I just, I enjoyed that from a spectator standpoint. Now I'm like, Okay, you got two doors. You got left and right. Tom already said that he wants to go right. Sarah says she wants to go left. There's noise coming from the left. If you don't want to fight something, you probably should go right. What do you do? And I'll I'll summation and force them to make a decision so that we'll get to the next thing. I think that is an awesome way to do it. Um, I think that uh, like running certain games i think makes that better too um one of the things i do like about knights black agents is that um it has a guide for gms and for players there's so many um books that have gm advice but there's so few books that have player advice it's like here's one sheet of paper that you should keep with you and keep in mind as a player and one of that one of the principles in that game is if you are ever going more than one hypothetical deep in a plan, you need to get more information. <laughs> oh is, my gosh. I've got like seven. I'm like inceptioned. And right. Oh right. my gosh. 
especially for like a heist game, it's like, oh, well, what if we go through the door and then we go to the door afterwards and there's security pass there, we don't know what to do. It's like, well, clearly you could fart around in circles and talk about this all day, or you could, you know, get your feet on the ground, go out there, get information, come back, make a plan. And um, it's a very proactive um, way to do it. So if you, I, I loved your advice, Michael, but I will just add the addendum that if it's a slowdown specifically due to like players wanting to over plan, look up the Bucharest rules from Knights Black Agents. And if you can't find those, let me know and I can show them to you. But it's basically a list of those like six, five or six principles. It's like, put it in gear, get information, get in, get out, have an exit plan. And if that's the type of thing that your game could benefit from, it's it's really helped me with every other game I've played afterwards. Uh, so the the other thing I would mention there too is just when you're prepping for your one shots, uh, you know, have a beginning, have a middle, have an end. Um, I, I've heard the uh, described it's like a dinosaur, like a like a brontosaurus. You start <laughs> with a very narrow that can only go one or two places, and then it branches out and there's this big wide space where they can go in a lot of different ways, but it's all going to end back at the tail which then leads them to the finale. Yep. So you have a very directed opening scene, gives them a couple things that they might want to do. They're going to do one or two of them, and that's going to get them to the end no matter what, so that you can have your arc and you can complete it in your time. And then figure out how long it's taking you to do stuff. Like, if are you taking too long to narrate, like, setting the scene? Is it just combat that's taking forever? Maybe you do one less combat. I know mm-hmm. there's kind of a typical like, role-play, fight, role-play, fight, role-play, finale. Maybe you skip the one in the middle or the one at the beginning and, you know. Or when you're two thirds of the way through the combat, you know which way it's going to go. Just say, okay, let's, let's narrate how this ends. Yeah. Um, One last thing I will say, specifically if you're doing one shots, um, I, I don't make one shots anymore that don't have a timer on them in game. So Mm. like Holy Matrimony, which is the L5R adventure that I run at conventions and for people as a one shot, that story has basically a 36 to 48 hour timer on it and everything that the players do takes time so i will be reminding them i'm like okay well you want to go talk to this person okay it's probably mid-afternoon now oh you're done talking to them it's probably late afternoon now getting to dinner time so by sort of keeping the train rolling and keeping that momentum moving forward and making sure that decisions and actions they take matter and take time and you, they know that something nebulously bad is going to happen if they don't figure it out soon. It not only puts the pressure on them, but it also forces them to make interesting decisions because time means everything. Right. Very, very cool. So yeah. uh, swinging back to New York Tater, he he wanted to clarify that when he asked the question about our first podcast, he didn't necessarily mean the first episode, but just the first time doing any podcast. Oh, yeah. Um I was on a podcast uh, before this several years ago, um, just talking with some friends about gaming stuff. And it was also near the height of my arc of social anxiety. So it was awful and I hated it yeah. and I didn't want to do it again. I did like three episodes and I'm like, this is not for me. And then I, uh, I stopped for like six years until I <laughs> found something that I could uh, blab about all day, which is role-playing games. Uh, so I, I think this is going to sound awful but trust me i'm couching this in self-loathing i was surprised at how good i was at it initially okay because what i mean is like this isn't something i'm used to doing and have you know having a conversation with evan and trying to pull out details and make him feel comfortable and kind of almost like an interviewer in a way um going back and listening to those episodes kind of recently it's like you know we had a very good rapport very early on we didn't have like a structure necessarily but everything seemed to flow really well, which editing helps. But I'm going to couch that because I 
literally hate the sound of my own voice. Like I am very. Oh, self- we, we all hate it too. Yeah, I, and I don't blame me. I'm very self conscious about my voice. I, like I joke all the time because it's that's what you do. You make fun of it before someone else can. I hate the way I, my accent. I hate the way that I I know all these words and I can't pronounce them. I hate mm-hmm. that I mumble at times. I hate that I talk really fast when I get nervous. Everything about the way I talk, I literally hate. And having to edit myself over and over and over is mind-numbingly crushing sometimes. But luckily, yeah. I'm the one that edits, so I can make me sound a lot better <laughs> than I actually do. And I yes. think that's the only reason I can survive it. Yeah, um, I got over... I, I like podcasting too, obviously. I got over the self-loathing like three or four edits in. But definitely early on... Um, I was like, God, this is awful. No one wants to listen to this. I hate myself. Who is this person? It's not me. You know, you have like that weird disconnect, but um, I got over it. And then when Dakota started ep- ep- uh, editing these episodes for Knights Black Agents, he went through the exact same mark. He's like, I, I, I can't do this. I sound awful. It's like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. We've already played like 50 sessions with you, dude. It's okay. You just hate your voice. You'll get over it in like, you know, two weeks, you'll be fine. So yeah, that's both very interesting uh, takes. Uh, I just want to make one shout out. Game Master's Vault is mentioning the Red Mars, Green Mars, Blue Mars trilogy. Um, I agree. Those books are phenomenal. If you like hard sci-fi at all, you should read them. Um, I read those again when I was pretty young, probably in middle school or high school. They're awesome. And they would make a great RPG set. Nice. Um, So I was just going to circle back around one more time to like the, the editing thing of my voice that I very rarely will listen to an episode if if I didn't edit it. Mm. Like if I'm on a show, someone else's show, or you know, a guest or that kind of thing, I will almost never listen because I wasn't able to control how I sound, and mm. it will drive me insane. And the probably the thing that most people have ever listened to is the L5R one shot that we did on on one shot, and. I cringe every time I hear myself try to say Dugatsu, you know, Daigotsu Jin. <laughs> I still can't do it because it's, yeah. it's Daigotsu. And for some reason, saying goat doesn't make sense to me. I'm always like, it can't be goat. So I, I go to got. So it sounds weird. If if I edited that, I would have redubbed myself saying that every time. You never would have heard me going Daigotsu Jin because I fucking hate it. Yeah, if it makes you feel any better, Jim pronounced uh, a bunch of stuff wrong, too, now that I've steeped myself in that lore. Well, it's one thing to pronounce it wrong, like, incorrectly. It's another to not be able to say the word because you're a moron. No, I mean, we, got, we, we've we been doing some planning for our next L5R game, and um, I've been looking at, like, a list of, like, provinces in the world. I'm like, okay, maybe our game could be set in this one or this one or this one, and we decided one was absolutely perfect for us, except the name of the province was literally like Wakai Ei Kai Village. And it's like, we're just not going to yep. be saying that every episode. So no thanks. Never going to get there. <laughs> uh, so it looks like Game Master Vault had a question too. Well, more of a comment about not being able to get into podcasts. Um, they're too likely to try to multitask and then they miss things. Uh, so it's like when you're reading and you realize you haven't looked at a word and you have to go back mm-hmm. and read a page. So they're more likely to do Twitch and YouTube because it allows them to focus more. Totally get it. Uh, I was actually just talking about this yesterday. I am at my job now. I'm in a cubicle most of the day. Uh, so I will alternate between listening to several hours of podcasts to listening to music. And I, I haven't figured out what it is, if it's me, if it's the particular show. But some days I can listen to podcasts and work fine. And other days I cannot type and listen to the words. And so I have to switch to music. I, I don't know why it is. But, yeah, some shows I can multitask and listen to and some I can't. 
Yeah, for me, it just kind of depends on how brainless it is what I'm doing. If I'm just doing data entry or something at work, I can put on a podcast. Or if I'm just like playing Overwatch online, I don't need to hear really many audio cues or anything. And I'm not listening to dialogue, I can put a podcast on. But if I'm obviously trying to read or trying to half have a conversation with somebody at the same time. Yeah. I'd rather just put on music. So I'm with you. It, it comes and goes and whatever's for you is fine. Yep. Uh, so it looks like I'm pretty well far behind on the, the, the comments here. So notorious <laughs> GM GMD had said earlier, uh, Bioshock would have been their suggestion for an RPG setting. Uh, if it actually captured the experience, it would be amazing. Um, I, the first homebrew thing I think I ever did was probably in 2005, or no, I guess Bioshock came out in 2007. It was probably in 2007 or 2008. I tried to homebrew my own Bioshock system in D20. Um, it never made it off the Microsoft Word document, and it was probably awful. So there you go. I'm with you. I, that was one of my earliest needs. Yeah, uh, so Game Master Vault also mentioned Robert A. Henline books. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if that was the Mars you were talking about. Uh, no, he did like Starship Troopers and all those. But yeah, also very good sci-fi. Uh, New York Tater mentioned Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan novels. Uh, um, Knights Black Agents is the game for you. That is like, it is very Tom Clancy. <laughs> uh, Are you looking for another question? Yeah. Okay, so Shortmanian uh, also asks, what was your longest, most continuous campaign? How long did you play? What system was it? Did you have to take breaks to prevent burnout? Um, and uh, Or was the system and campaign so awesome that you could still play it today? What was, I know my answer. What was your answer? I don't actually know too much about your gaming history. Um, so I think I've covered this before. So my longest continuous campaign was a game where I rotated dms we i've talked about this several times on podcasts when i was in cleveland i had a very dedicated group we were all well most of us we were all like late 20s early 30s professionals most of us had a spouse but maybe not kids yet so we met like every saturday for like maybe three years it was a very long time and we played i mean obviously sometimes we would miss but for the like it wasn't like my regular games where we play 4 months and then it dies for 5 months and we try to figure something else out uh but we played in a game where we rotated dms it was called the uh, brotherhood of ken but ken was spelled k e u n for some reason um and and the idea was one of the other gentlemen had come up with the idea is we were all mercenaries in this really righteous do, goody do two shoes sort of um group and so that's how we managed to rotate. One of us would run basically like a one shot, maybe a two shot. Mm-hmm. And then that adventure would be over. Next person would step in the characters. It made sense for the characters to change on this mission, kind of like XCOM in a way. Yep. And then we would go off and we would have that mission and we would, you know, go on and so forth. Um, and it basically, it, it, it started to actually, if I remember correctly, it broke down when someone introduced a deck of many things. One of the many times as all campaigns do as all campaigns do. That's what I, I've, I've answered that question on Twitter before <laughs> or Facebook. Like when should I, in, you know, introduce deck of many things like when you're ready for the campaign to end. Correct. That's what happens. Uh, we tried to salvage it by jumping seven years into the future. <laughs> Did not work. Nope. That campaign died. And then I started um, a new game, which was, which was the first iteration of Dark Discovery, which is the one that was been a patron game for a very long time, which just recently died. It was the first time I ran sort of that game. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I moved. So like, gotcha. I was like two or three months into it. I'm like, all right, people, uh, I'm leaving. What what system was that in? Was that 3.5? That was 3.5. Yeah. Do you still keep in touch with any of those guys or game with them at all? Or is it kind of just like a convenience? 
thing. Well, you know, if, if Roll20 was still around, or had been around, I should say, when that happened, we probably would have. But unfortunately, we kind of fell apart. I have kids now. There, there's yeah. one of them that I do still, like, every now and then I'll email and chat. I've tried to get him to come to a catacomb every year, and it's never worked out. He now has two kids as well, so it's probably never going to work out. Um, but he, because, again, we're getting way into Michael territory here. I, I grew up with three best friends. Mm-hmm. we were inseparable. We all, we did everything together. Like there was just, if you saw one of us, the other three were always there. And if they weren't there, something was wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, this was like stand by me territory. Like we were inseparable. Yeah. And, and I've said for years, I have, I have three friends and I have acquaintances because I was friends with those dudes. And even to this day, which I don't speak to them that often, if one of them called me like right now and said, Hey dude, I need you. I would get up and leave and I'd figure out why on the way there. Sure. Um, but Rob, who I met in Cleveland, is probably the first person that's really cracked that. Um, I just, I loved Rob. He was uh, just he fit my personality perfectly. Uh, my wife loves him as well. Like we just we both like I miss Rob every now and then because I just I wish Rob was in my life more. Sadly, Rob is not in my life more. Yeah, I mean that just happens with life and being an adult too. Like, I, there's the saying too about like when you're going through college, like between the ages of 18 and 22, you will meet your best friends in the world for six months and then move on. And like, you know, you have to move at the speed of the rest of your life. Unfortunately, we can't all move at the speed of tabletop yeah. <laughs> groups, but we try. Uh, so I'd say recent, the the longest one was either Made Men or Dark Discovery, both of which ended, but Made Men, at least I had ability to sort of wrap up into the semi-coherent ending. Um, yeah. Dark Discovery just died in the middle. Um, and if I if I had one I wanted to revisit, it would be a new world. I <laughs> would love to be able to go back and, and spend more time in that world, and I know a lot of our listeners would like to as well, because it sucked the way that one ended. Mm. Um, I have two different answers to this one. The longest one, real life time that I've been a part of is still ongoing. It is a Jade Regent game, which is a Pathfinder adventure path that we started in Pathfinder, uh, changed it to 13th age halfway through, and now we're playing it in D&D 5e. That one has been going on for close to six years on and off. There was one one year where we just straight up didn't play. Um, So it's a very, very episodic thing. Like the GM, um, he moved to Japan for like three years, so that made playing difficult so um still ongoing we play it once every couple months it's a good time every time so that one's going through um as far as like the longest like session wise um shadow the cabal was the longest one i did it was 25 sessions um pretty much consecutively without any breaks in between um what system was it that was an l5r fourth edition you can listen to the whole thing (laughs) if you go to shadowthecabal.com uh and do we have to take breaks to prevent burnout um yes because l5r burns you the hell out if you play that Every week, um, that was rough. And uh, do you have it? Did you take breaks? And would you go back and play it today? No, I am glad to be done with it. Um, <laughs> I loved it. I really, really, really loved it. But like, I don't need more of it. You know, it's like, oh, I had an entire birthday cake to myself. I don't need more. <laughs> let me let me digest this for a while. That's sort of how I feel. Sitting on the couch with your your shirt pulled up and you're yeah. sitting on your belly while you're eating it. Yeah, oh, this it, is so good, but I feel so bad. That was that was Shadow of the Cabal in a nutshell. No, I mean, it was a really, really great time, but I was ready to be done with it, and I think it's good that I, – I feel lucky that I got a campaign that had an ending and a good one at that, so I will count my blessings. That's there. like a unicorn. Not everyone yeah. sees that. Yep, yep. Um, 
it looks like we don't have many other questions. So I could go to my list unless you have something you want to talk about. No, I think I'm good. What you got? Cool. I got a quick one for for us. Um, mm-hmm. this, is, this is a lightning round. Um, what is the best die? D12. <laughs> like, that's just a dumb <laughs> question. Um, I'd agree with you. I think a D6, the old, good old D6 is a strong second place. Oh, so, see, I um, hate D6s. D6s. I, I, I thought this was going to be a quick one, but let's get into it. D4s are the worst die. Agreed. They D6s plop, they don't roll. Are, okay, I, actually, I'll give you D8s are the next worst. So D4s suck. D8s also suck. Then D6s suck. D10s also kind of suck. 12s are awesome. 20s are okay. I can't be on this network anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that what D6 lack, D6 is lacking like versatility and ease of roll. Um, they they make up for uh, because they're everywhere. You can literally go anywhere and find them. And um, the first game that ripped off D and D tunnels and trolls, the first thing the guy did is says, "I don't have any of these dice. I'm going to make this game in with D6s." And then he did. And Michael, who's smarter, you or the dude who made tunnels and trolls? So. Um, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. so so let's get into it. So here's why I think D6s are terrible, okay? So most D6s, um again if you don't get the, you know, the the custom ones whatever, they're 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 fairly small. I think these are what uh, mm-hmm. what are they 12mm, 16mm? Yeah, 12 yeah, I think so. Uh they're they're usually square. Like these these in particular have rounded edges. Uh so when you roll them, they don't really roll. They just kind of land. They plop. They plop. So then you get some that have these curved edges. Michael, where did you get that die? It's so beautiful. Well, th- this actually is not the uh, Catacon die. Oh, I was it, setting you up. Sorry. Yeah, this is the Catacon die. Uh, I, I got the same color, but I can't see. I'm an old dude. I'm blind. So I have to get big dice with big numbers. Like I can't read dice anymore. I need clarity of dice facing is like the number one thing I look for in, in dice. It's not cool like... I see those like the ones that look like Elvin. They got like little barbs coming off of like flowers. Those are yeah, those are a nightmare to me. I cannot see them. Yeah, yeah. So I just I, either they plunk or you have the rounded edges and they roll like crazy. So I uh-huh. need something. I don't know. D twelve just works great. Maybe uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I, D twelves are great uh, because they are divisible by two, six, four, and three. So you could have a almost a full gaming set of just d12s have you seen those ones where it's like this is a d12 that's just a d4 it has one through four yeah. three times this oh is, you're this is one. a d6 twice this is a d4 three times that's awesome i'm trying to figure out how to make a d8 work i'm thinking <laughs> i'll just go one through eight and then have to re-roll if it's higher than that yeah i yeah, mean i don't d10s just ignore 11 and 12 yeah that's so, that's so, a little bit more palatable yeah. yeah so i could just do the entire thing yeah um game rancers vault said that shadow the cabal is like the meat sweats of rpgs yeah (laughs) too real (laughs) um and then new york tater says between the both of you what are the two biggest recommendations slash advice you would give to an older new player so they want two pieces of advice each so i assume that means somebody who is an older person who is new to playing if that, i that's that how i would interpret it as well all right you go first and i'll do one um so my, my my first piece of advice is just do it i know that sounds very simple but if you're going to do it commit don't be that person that's there but they're like i'm above this and they're like snarky about everything and they're they're they just they're so cool like if you're going to play sit down with the goal of having fun and just 
just get into it. Everyone's going to be making stupid voices. Everyone's going to be like, let's go, arr, arr, laddie, and talking in terrible accents. Just just get into it. Because the thing is, if you have fun, it will be some of the most fun you've ever had. And if you don't, at least then you know this isn't for me. If you don't right. actually give it a shot and you're like, I didn't care for it. Well, you didn't commit. You didn't actually play the game. You just sat there all night. Then you really haven't made a, like a, a choice, I don't think. Uh, my advice will be a corollary to that and that if you do play it and you don't have a good time, um, you should uh, try to figure out why that is. Because a lot of times um, people will just sort of bounce off each other or it'll just be one bad night. Everyone has bad nights or, or bad sessions. And you should try to sort of analyze if it didn't work out or if it's not something you enjoy as much as you thought you did why and if it'd be something to be easy to change and say hey gm i think it'd be cool if we had an adventure in a desert and then okay cool you, you thought the setting was bad last time let's change it up give it a try so that's my piece of advice okay you have one more now um so this is a bit old school i think there are a lot of newer games and dm's not poo poo on this play a fighter mm -hmm. or whatever the simplest character is for that system so that you can just focus on a few things you can really pay attention to the story when it's your turn you don't have to go through spell lists or try to decide what the best tactics are. Just like, I hit it with my sword. Roll that die. Get a big number and it works. Yay! And I think you build from there. Mm -hmm. And then I will say, um, you're there to work with your group to tell a cool story. And um, you shouldn't think that anything is against you except... Um, the monsters of the adventure or whatever that you're playing. So, um, you know, everyone's there to have a good time and cooperate. And it's a cooperative thing, not a competitive thing, because I feel like an older person who has not played something like D and D might get the impression that there is a winner and there is a loser mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, or, Oh, I'm the one who survived and got away with all the treasure. He, 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 I won D and D and it's like, it's not how it works. Yeah. I, I have had that conversation. Like, did you win? Yeah. Like someone would say, what'd you do? I played D and D last night. Did you win? Yeah, that's what my mom said every time I came up from yeah. the basement between the ages of 11 and 19. So, so uh, what, it, this is a, a story from my college days. Um, I played quite a lot in college. Again, was a, was a small group of people. I had a, a person, again, this is way into the weeds, but I, I had the best dorm life ever. I lived on a floor like half the rooms were single rooms. So there were mm -hmm. only like half as many people on the floor. We all kind of got along. We all knew each other. It was great. And like all my friends were all on the same floor. So we all uh, like live like 15 feet from each other. And I had the room where everyone gathered to play stuff. So we played chess was my room. Video games was my room. Cards, my game, my room. D&D &D was my room. So people would come in and we would play. And I had one guy who he, he was like our friend because we hung out with him, but he never played D&D. &D. And he started sitting in the room and he would just watch us play. And every now and then he would ask like a question, like, so why mm -hmm. did you do that? Or, or how does this work? And eventually it got to the point where he was like trying to tell people like, why don't you do this? And we literally, just, as a group, were like, no, play. And we, we just made him a really super quick character. Here's your fighter. Just start playing. He loved it. Once he actually yep. broke that seal and was willing to commit, he loved it. I also think he was a cheater because he would sit <laughs> over by himself and he'd be that guy and be like, 21. That's, yeah. that's a quick math there buddy yeah uh, i had a very similar experience this past weekend actually what, what just what you mentioned about sort of the spectator joining in um uh, i think two weekends ago my buddy he ran worldwide wrestling for us for the first time which is a powered by the apocalypse wrestling game and um we had a bunch of friends there and one of them we hang out with her a lot and she has tried playing tabletop stuff with us and she's just like i like watching it i don't think it's very 
fun to play for me personally. So we got into it, we got started playing. And then um, my buddy who was the GM, he had her be his co-announcer. So he gave her a character. He says, okay, you're Lorraine. You're the prom queen of Tuscaloosa, Alabama Technical College. This is <laughs> in the gymnasium there. You're the only person and you're like an ex-weather woman or whatever. And she totally killed it. And like they would be doing like the announcer banter every time we did awesome wrestling moves. And now she's like, oh, maybe I'll, maybe the plot twist is that I start wrestling and I'm like, yes, we will figure this out. So it's an awesome, awesome way to get people involved. Yeah. And I, I was going to tie that back because I kind of feel like that might be part of this explosion of streams is mm-hmm. there is like, like it, it hooks you in, you know, and then you're like, well, that's not what I would do. Mm-hmm. Well, now you're, you're playing in your head. Right. What would you have done? So, okay. And I, th- I really think that's what's bringing so many people in is that they're giving it a shot from an entertainment value because everyone's talking about like, okay, I'll watch Critical Role or I'll watch whatever the other streamers are. And they're like, this is kind of cool, but I would do it differently. And I mm-hmm. think that's where it starts. And it's an accessibility thing now, too, because if you were sitting in your basement in 1988 and you said, oh, I heard about Dungeons and Dragons. What is that? I don't know. I'm going to go play basketball or whatever. (laughs) But now you can literally type in Dungeons and Dragons on twitch.tv and you can see 200 people playing it and you can instantly get a sense of what it is. You can grok it very quickly. Yep. 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 Awesome. Um, I have some more lightning round questions. All right. Yep. Lay it on me. What is this one's from me? What is your favorite skill or attribute or like stat in any RPG you've played? Oh, well. Oh. Oh, man. I can go first. If yeah, you want yeah, yeah. Some time to think. Okay, so um, I have two. Uh, that's the reason I asked this question because I wanted to answer it myself. Um, I think that L five R fourth edition having the sincerity skill is genius because it's the skill used to convince somebody that you're telling the truth, whether you are or not. So in so many games. Um, telling the duke oh you know we we took care of the monsters and we gave all the treasure back to the people mm-hmm. in most games they don't usually have you roll to tell the truth if somebody believes you but in l5r it's a very important thing um the second question can we swear on this show i forget is this like a pg-13 it, like okay of... night spike agents has a skill called bs detector okay perfect yes which is exactly what it sounds like. It's one of the most concise skills in the world because I don't need to read the description. I see on my sheet that I have BS detector and I know, is this guy full of it? And you use that skill and that's exactly what it is. So those are my two favorites. So I, I'm having a really hard time because I'm I am that player that I play my charisma. I never play my characters. And, unless I'm playing like a really dumb person, then I'll try to like be funny and dumb. But if I have a 12 to a 16 charisma, I'm just playing myself. I'm trying to be charming or witty or funny. Because as everybody knows, you have a 16 charisma in real life. I, I do. I mean, at yeah. least 16 with my racial adjustments. Um, so I, so it's hard. Like, I don't, I can't think of a of one. I don't know. Um, like, if you ask me spell, it's Grease. I'm, I'm with you there. Grease is a good one. Grease is the I best have- spell in the game. Grease is the word. Um, I had a um, a player once in, in a game I played with who he played this. He played a wizard that had no offensive spells, so he was doing lots of casting grease and pit and tensor's floating disc, and it was an awful character to play with. But <laughs> grease is a good spell. Grease can do so much. It's just crazy how much a little lube can get you in life. You know. Yep. So I, I'm gonna have to. I'll, I'll come back to that one. Maybe if I think of something, I'll come back to it. 
Um, sure. So someone, I, I'll mention it in the chat about the dice. So if you did not hear or die or whatever the correct word there. Yes, there was a problem with the Catacon uh, 28 dice. Arcadacon. So this is what's so frustrating. <laughs> I couldn't help but make fun of you on Twitter about it. I'm sorry. No, I, again, totally own it because, so I sent them the new image and they did a proof and the proof said Arcadacon. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not Arcadicon, it's a Catacon. And they're like, okay. So then we had to go through several iterations uh, because, you know, our, honestly, our logo isn't the best for that process. If you if you look at the dice, it's it's hard to to etch on that small and it look clear. Uh, I think actually these probably look the best. The 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 black. Um, it's not zooming in. I have that die in real life. It okay. does look good. So the, the the white, which the new color is, I don't think it looks as crisp. Mm. So we went back and forth several times trying to make it work. And I even said, okay, so we, we've done several versions. I said, can you please send me one more proof? I just want to make sure that we're good. And I, the reason I did that li- literally was because I was looking for the R because I'm like, they might have effed this up and they're going to put R in there and I'm going to be so mad. So they sent me the proof. I looked at the proof. I was like, oh, we're good. No, there was an R. So I did everything right except, except pay attention to. to the thing. Uh, and it would be different. Like if there was two E's or if like yeah. there was no O. No, if it was like a Kangakong. Yeah. Like yeah. that'd be one thing. Yeah. But Arcadicon, I get so angry all the time because almost every time I try to promote this on like I'll go to social media or Reddit, someone who doesn't know me, I'm like a, a catacon. They're always like, you misspelled Arcadicon. No, I didn't. I didn't misspell Arcadicon. There's no and then to do that. Dude, I, believe me, I've heard so many uh, people say you should listen to Shadows of the Cabal. And I'm like, man, should have picked a different name way back when, huh? But you know, live and learn. It is what it is. But yep. So I reordered new ones. There was some debate on whether I would just go with the the, the ones that as were. But uh, the company, even though it was my fault, did offer me a pretty nice uh, discount. They felt bad for me. So <laughs> so I have uh, more. That's that high charisma uh, Ex- in oh, play, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So <laughs> as I like to say, I have 796 mint condition Arcadicon dice. I have four <laughs> that are like new. They've only been rolled once. Um. So we're gonna we're gonna do some fun things, and I think we talked about on the Discord. We're gonna have a dice stacking competition. So we're gonna have it set up where anybody can come and stack as high as they want. We'll have the faculty member measure it or count it, and then at the end of the event, whoever has the highest stack will win like four hundred. <laughs> <laughs> the other four hundred I'll give away or sell, but someone's gonna win four hundred of these dice. It's very exciting. Yes. Hey, if you have a shadow run game coming up and you don't mind about uh, typos, yep, it's for you. Um. Do we have time for one more, you think? Yeah, I think so. Okay, cool. This is one that um somebody I saw on Reddit as well, but it kind of got me thinking. Uh, but I want to hear your answer. And I know we talked about Bubblegum Shoe for this, but what is one game that you've always wanted to play but haven't had the chance to yet? Oh, uh, God, there's so many. Uh, probably, look over here. Um. <laughs> uh, I think you talked about Blue Rose once for yeah, a while too, right? I, I really want to play Blue Rose, but I have played Fantasy Age, which is what it's based off of. So right. I would have to say Pure Never Played It would be Mouse Guard. Ooh, yeah. That's that's on my shelf too, right over there. I haven't played it yet either. I've read it a couple times, but... But I will say, I'll twist the question a little bit. I've said this many times. I think reading the Fate Core 
uh, book opened my eyes to it changed fundamentally changed the way I look at role playing games. It has made me such a better DM, and I think it's amazing. But I have never played in a fate game that lives up to the promise reading that book made. I would love oh. to play fate with someone who just really knew the system with other players who really are into it. Cause I feel like fate should be the game that I play all the time. It, 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 it hits all the right buttons, but I have never played in a game that worked well. And I've played in the game with one of the designers and yeah. I played in the game uh, with uh, Porter, our Faye deadlines game, which was a great game, but I didn't think the mechanics added to them at all. So, so do you, I mean, it sounds like you've had a lot of experience. Do you think that, the way that you your ideal version do you think that can only exist on paper or do you think that it can be played that way at a table just not one that you've been to i think it can be played i i don't think i'm a good enough dm to run it that way and i don't think i'm a good enough player to get there but but the the idea the promise that fate core made to me when i when i played it is that it would be almost universal role play where mm-hmm. you would say things and bring in these these themes and the and the I can't remember the, the terminology right now the but aspects the, the right? aspects yeah where they were just they would just organically occur because you're playing but in practice it's like a board game you're like okay well I want to hit this one and this one and and it becomes very mechanical and now I roll but oh I didn't pass so I'm gonna add in the stunt does and, that so does the prospect of like so I, th- I think it's a really interesting topic because you're what you're saying is that you want to role play and for the mechanics to suddenly appear into that as you do it, as opposed to looking at the mechanics and trying to figure out a way to role play them. Right. Yeah. Does I, it feel like it's backwards in that I, regard? Yes. For you? I, I want to feel like the mechanics are not there. They're they're invisible until they're absolutely needed and they're there the minimum amount of time they need to be there. And it feels like it's the way around. It's like we're we're working on this, trying to make the dice work to have this couple second role play, and then we're back into the mechanics. It's like completely opposite of what I feel like it should be. I have I have two things to say about that. One, that is the experience of everybody I've heard play Fate. So I don't know if your version of Fate can exist. Because I've never played it, but it sounds to me like that every time. It's almost a very like metagamey game, yes. right? Yes. Not, in a, not in a bad way as in like an I'm cheating the DM or I'm doing this, but it's like you have to be thinking about the game and how you're going to use the game to propel your actions. Um, second thing I'll say to that, Mouse Guard is almost exactly the same as that. Yeah, I've, so, I've heard, but I was wondering, because I, I grew up reading and watching that uh, Secrets of Nim. Mm-hmm. cartoon so i have a lot of love for talking mice fighting yes. pros we should do a trial of it we should but i who would run it i'd pick it up i'd run it i have the book okay I'm, you heard I'm, it here first i am yeah. down for that because i that's one of the games like when i go to any convention i have a short list of games that i try to get into like top of my list mouse guard is always one of them there's mm-hmm. only like three offerings at every convention never get into it i would love to play that game yeah um Short Manian says Bubblegum Shoe and Tales from the Loop, both games that I want to play as well. It sounds like we have three people here who want to play Bubblegum Shoe. Maybe we should just figure that out. Yeah, again, <laughs> if someone will play a game where I get to be someone in the Moronica, Moronica Vars universe, I would love you forever. You could play Moronica Vars. Moronica Vars. <laughs> Moronica. Moronica. Um, I'm the say- cousin from Kentucky. <laughs> 
I will say my answer to this is um, I feel like the one big blind spot in like my RPG playing career that I haven't been able to hit is any of the World of Darkness games. Like I'm super down to play like Vampire the Masquerade or Werewolf or Changeling or any of those, but I've just never had the chance to because no one in my friend group I don't, I don't think has even um, played them. So if you are out there and you want to run Vampire the Masquerade for me, there's a new edition coming yeah. out. So I think I'm just going to check that out when it comes out and just run it myself because my advice is to be the games that you want to see in the world. That's so. right. Yep. So uh, so Short Mania 444 brought up Tales from the Loop. So I want to talk a little bit about this one. Sure. When I heard about this game, I was infatuated with it. I love Stranger Things. I love the kids on bike uh, you know, type of movies. Again, that's the ones I grew up with, like E.T., Goonies, uh, The Explorers. So I was all in. I didn't get into the Kickstarter. I think I missed it for some reason. So I ended up buying the, the game after it was available on Amazon. I do not like that system. Mm, interesting. All. I love Oof. I love the idea that it presents, but I don't like the world it presents it in. And also, I don't like the setting, and I don't like the system, but I like the idea of that you're a kid, there's something going on in your town, and you need to figure it out. So re- the Origins, I played a new game. It's called Kids on Bikes. Yeah. Which is literally someone, either a genius or an a-hole, however you want to view it. Someone's like, you know what? Stranger Things is cool. Let's make Stranger Things the RPG because it is literally Stranger Things the RPG. Yeah. Because it comes with a special supernatural character that the whole party plays. So you create your 11 and everyone participates in how that one's played. So I got to test that out. I didn't like the system. Ooh. I really like, it has a lot of like, there's like a, a, a template that you go through to create your character and it's like you have to like you you pick another character and you have to decide if you want to have a positive or a negative relation and you roll a d20 and it will say like there's two lists and it'll say like um why are they your friends so it's like these questions you have to answer like why don't you like them or how do they you know screw up your trust or why do you love them whatever so i really enjoyed that i liked some of the template because again it's basically stranger things the rpg Sure. But it is just such a simple system. And I don't know why I like simple, but essentially you have six stats. One's a D4, one's a D6, one's a D8, one's a D10, one's a D12, one's a D20. That's it. So whichever one you're good at is a D20, whichever one you suck at a D4. And then there's this whole, like, you set DCs based off what you're doing. That's the game. So if you suck at it, you're likely to get to a seven with a D4, though they do explode like in Savage Worlds. So you can get there. But it, it kind of feels like it's it's re- always rewarded me for doing what I'm best at. Yeah. And I yeah. I don't like, I like that. Like if I need to do what I'm good at, I should be successful. But I want to do the things that make the game more interesting, not make it easier. Yeah. So, and that's that's something that like all games are kind of struggling with in some regards too. So I, I don't begrudge them too much, but it's, that's disappointing. Um, you know what? I bet you could run a pretty killer Stranger Things game in Bubblegum Shoe. Maybe I've I haven't dove dove enough into it to really know. I think they I mean, they, they have a free version that I got to bring home with me. I, I mean, it's it's an investigative game about being a kid figuring out a mystery. Yeah, yeah. So they gave us a, a little pamphlet. It's like a really simple version of the rules. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I uh, very excited about it. I liked the story that we played. It was fun. We played like a, like a two hour demo. Half an hour was creating the characters. But yeah. I just, I walked away going, again, 
The concept is brilliant. The execution, lackluster. Yeah. And I mean, that, that is just goes to confirm that system and setting kind of need to gel with each other and to make something interesting. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd all be playing GURPS and nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. <laughs> I'm going to get so many haters. I'm yeah. so sorry. Uh, now, people yeah, so who like GURPS are watching our stream we, we pissed them off five and, <laughs> pissed them off five and a half years ago all right so we'll throw out the chat one more time if anyone's listening still has any questions we'll gladly answer them uh while we're waiting for chat to catch up Tanner, where can people find you on the internet um you can find me uh on the shadow of the cabal podcast i'm currently a player in a campaign right now um we are playing knights black agents the game i've probably brought up like six times by now um you can go to shadow of the and look at our very beautiful website or you can find us on twitter uh at uh, twitter.com slash sotc pod and our podcast should be available pretty much wherever you find podcasts uh, what about you, Michael? Uh, so again, you, you can find me anywhere at the RPG Academy. If you search for that and you find something that's not me, let me know because it should be me. We'll take them out. We'll deal exactly. with them. Exactly. We'll deal with them. So funny, there actually was a website for a while. I'll, I'll tell you about this. And it might might even still be around, but it doesn't look like it's being updated. It's called the RPG Academy, but it's a video game review site. But none of the video games they reviewed were RPGs. They were all like action shooters. So I have no idea why they po- chose that name. We need to send our guys after them. Okay, so here's the thing. I was going to. I was, I was going to say, hey, I don't know if you're aware. There's this thing. Um, their website has no contact information. There's no Twitter that I can find. There's no Facebook. There's no email contact. So I just kept like every couple months I would check the website. It was never getting updated. So I kind of felt like, well, I guess it doesn't matter. But I was like, Dude, yeah, do debts, Do- whatever. Domain hogs, yeah, no good. Jerks. Yeah. Um, and then I'm still working on my module sort of thing that uh, I've, I'm still looking at doing a Kickstarter early next year. The dra- the dragon's spine. I'm running it again at Gen Con. I've run it at Origins. I've run it at Catacon last couple of years. So I've run it like seven or eight times at different conventions. Uh, I want it to be a directed adventure with audio supplements. As you were saying, I want to be- have a player's guide. So whatever player you play will have like a little one sheet mechanical cheat sheet as well as a here's some suggestions on how you role play this character in this particular game. Uh, so I'm working on it. I got a first draft of everything and I just got to go through and do the hard work, which I don't like doing. So it might sit on that computer for a while. <laughs> it's totally cool. And you mentioned uh, going to cons a couple times. You are going to Gen Con, correct? That is in a couple short weeks. Uh, four weeks, I think. Right around yeah. August 1st. Four or five. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so very much looking forward to that. It, it is one of the highlights of my year every year. Are you doing anything special there? Uh, so I'm running a, a panel with uh, Victoria from the Broadswords and Shane from Total Party Thrill. Uh, very excited. We well, I set up for 150. Where right now we have 138 people signed up, which is insane. That's awesome. I'm very nervous about that. Again, my voice, not happy about it, but I'm excited about the content. I think it'll be a good time. I'm running the Dragon Spine. Um, I got to play. I'm playing in a Fantasy Age game, which is one of the ones on my list. I'm playing in Basic Fantasy, which is another one. It really wasn't a highlight on the list, but it's a game I've never played before. Playing High Plane Samurai, which sounds awesome. Don't know anything about it, but I saw the name. I'm like, that sounds cool. I'm on that, that sounds one. precisely designed to target me, yeah. so you'll have to tell me how that is. Uh, I'm getting to play Ten Candles with Taylor. He's going to run it for myself, and I think Danny Neary and then Michael uh, Waldschlager are, are going to be also players. I don't Ooh. know if they have a fourth yet. That sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. Oh, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> but but here's, here's what I'm working on right now. I found this event and I really want to do it. It costs 84 bucks, which sucks, but I'll pay it. Four people, they pick you up in a limo. 
and they drive you to an escape room. You do an escape room, then you have a brunch, then you do a second escape room, and then they bring you back. It's, it starts at 7.30 on Saturday, 7.30 to 12. I currently have that block open, but I will only do it if I can get other three people that I know. I don't want to do this with strangers. 84, that's a pretty good deal. I mean, it's, it's what you would cost you for two escape rooms and lunch. Like, that's it's not yeah. extravagant. It's just 84 bucks for one event at Gen Con is kind of... Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, sure. Manny says the limo is the escape room. They, <laughs> they kidnap you. Which, yeah. Which actually hey. would be pretty awesome. Next level. Next level. So if anyone else is listening, Saturday morning, 7.30 to 12, I need three other people to commit, and then I will absolutely um, jump in. Yeah, who wouldn't want to be locked in a room with someone with the 16 charisma? Come on. Ex- absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and uh, sure, many mentioned Adventure Zone is playing Monsters of the Week. I have played that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as I, have I. I played that. It was basically like a Supernatural, the TV show version, which I also like. Though yep. I do think Scooby would be a good version for that. Um, so I don't know. I, Brad, part of the network uh, on our, our show, the RPG Academy proper, he runs that. That's like his con game that he runs. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, but I, I had recently about a month or two ago a first time GM ran that uh, that game for us. We were at the Rhinelander Wisconsin Hodag Festival hunting down a Hodag, so you know it was good. Nice. Oh, I got to play Jason Statham's uh, something vacation and Honey Heist. Yeah, yeah. Grant Howitt. Yeah, that was uh, interesting. I, I played a grizzly bear who was incompetent. Uh, he was a hacker. Uh, yeah. But we all had bear paws, so our hacking was just hitting things <laughs> until it opened. Uh, we were at the Honey Festival, which was at a like a main fishing village. Uh, it was interesting. Interesting, yeah. Sounds like a fun game. Yeah, good to, uh, the Jason Statham probably was the more fun, but it, that one took longer than we thought, so we didn't have a whole lot of time for the Honey House. We really had to get through. But yeah, the, the Jason Statham game was uh, quite a hoot. Uh, yeah, Jason Statham, huge fan of the network. So um, if you ever want to work together, we're here. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> awesome well i think that will do it tanner thank you so much for joining me tonight everyone in chat thank you as always for joining us it's it's such a better show when we have people yeah some with. great questions yes so hopefully uh the people listening in the future will enjoy those questions as well and i kind of think i might want to start doing this like on the regular like maybe not every month but like every couple months just throw a q a episode in yeah yeah a little lightning round episode so yeah if you have those and there's um burning things that you have on your mind that you think can be answered in less than an hour uh, <laughs> save them up and, and drop them in chat when we when we do this we'll try to announce them pretty uh ahead of time a couple of days so you'll have some time to collate some questions awesome well thank you again and we'll see everyone do our awkward wave out Bye-bye. bye-bye see you Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash the RPG Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. 
You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at vrpgacademy.com and reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google Plus at vrpgacademy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Yeah.